Welcome to the Innovative Stories podcast of the Philips Innovation Award. In this episode, we have two special guests. Marsha Gouy, founder of Breeze, the first offline dating app, interviewed by Lars Kramer, private lead at Up Rotterdam, an entrepreneur support program by the city of Rotterdam. Together, they will discuss an important topic, diversity and inclusion within the tech industry. Let's get started with the podcast. Welcome, Marsha. Excited to meet you here. Hi, yes. Thanks for having me. So let's start with an icebreaker question uh, to go first. If you could go on an offline date with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oof, great question. Offline date with anyone. Um, Susie Wolf. Susie Wolf. Yeah, do you know her? Nope. <laughs> She's married to uh, Toto Wolf, uh, yeah. the principal of uh, Mercedes F1 team. But she is actually also a principal of a um, uh, Formula E team. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's often seen as a very strong, entrepreneurial, technical-minded woman. Cool. And uh, I'd love to meet her. There you go. Okay, let's see if we can set that up uh, in Breeze. Um, so you started Breeze, the world's first offline dating app, together with six co-founders uh, from the Technical University in Delft. That was in 2019, 2020 you launched. And today you are the fastest growing dating app in the Netherlands with prominent investors supporting you. Um, you've built a remarkable company, so I'm really looking forward to dive into your entrepreneurial journey um, and also talk uh, about diversity in tech. But we'll start with four statements, if that's cool. okay with you, that you can answer with true or false. Okay. Ready? Yes, let's go. First one. Starting a company with seven founders is a great idea. False. <laughs> For us, one. it worked out, but <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. No. Second one. Women swipe different than men. True. Third one, I've used my own dating app more than once. True. There we go. And the fourth one, the tech industry needs to step up when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Yeah, of course. There we go. So um, we're going to dive into your story. Can you maybe start? Um, what is your origin story? How did you end up building uh, Breeze? Yes, yeah, so I was still a student at the time. So yeah. it was 2019. Um, and a few of my friends in Delft, we got together and we said, okay, um, yeah, studying is fun. Uh, all these other extracurricular activities we're doing is also fun. But isn't it time to really see and, and experience if entrepreneurship is something for us? And okay. especially now when we have no responsibilities, we're used to having no money. Um, why not do it now? How far ahead were you in your studies? Which I was in my second year of master's okay. actually. Yes, mm. so almost at the end. And maybe that's also why I felt like the time was taking to try it at that time. <laughs> Um, and so we got this this group of multidisciplinary students together with the idea to just validate and invalidate a lot of ideas that we had. Yep. Like you all have that notebook on your phone with million dollar ideas that you might want to try out one day. We actually put those notebooks together and said, okay, just go buy them one by one, very systematically mm. trying to validate and invalidate them. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, one of the ideas on there was an idea for a dating app. It wasn't necessarily for Breeze, the concept it is now. Yeah. But we did dive into the problem of the current dating industry. And what we found there was uh, interesting enough to further pursue it. Interesting. Okay. So what's the problem with the dating industry? And and I have to say, I'm from 1977. So <laughs> last time I dated was 15 plus years ago um, with Lexa and people. That, but So what, yeah. what was wrong with the dating industry? Yeah. So a lot of people were actually quite open about wanting to date more. Mm -hmm. So people were looking for dates. 
But the way the current dating apps worked, um, they didn't really deliver upon what they needed to deliver upon. Okay. So people spend a lot of time swiping. was like this meat market. Then they spend a lot of time and emotional energy in the chat. Yeah. Um, sometimes they would be chatting for like weeks and weeks at a time without having met that person in okay. real life. And then in the end they get ghosted or if they actually propose to meet, um, they don't want to meet anymore. They don't respond. And it really took an emotional toll on them as well. Right. Okay. So for people who actually wanted to date, the dating apps didn't work. Okay. And so we thought, yeah, there's an opportunity there. How did you find out? Um, at the time we were, we sort of hijacked an office at the university. So there was just this one, one little cubicle where we were just the first ones to arrive every morning and we stayed there for maybe one and a half years. Yeah. At some point we put our own coffee machine there and it was just our office. Okay. And, um, being at the university, being at the faculty, we were able to just go downstairs and interview everyone that we wanted to interview. So we were in the middle of our target audience cool. at the time. So, nice. uh, so lots listening, of, yeah. Lots of speaking and problem interviews, yes. Okay, and then you said you date... Uh, uh, well, so now maybe before we go into that... Um, uh, so how does a business model work for, for a dating app like yours? Because you, you're not getting the online dates. You try to get people to offline date, right? So how then does your business model work? Yes, so... Um, People pay per date yeah, and that's essentially date. yeah, the core of our business is the reason why Tinder doesn't work is because they charge um, advertisement fees or they charge for subscription models. Mm -hmm. And um, because they do that, their incentive is to keep you in the app for as long as possible because that's how they earn money. Yeah. And for us, it was important to actually put that incentive on the date itself. So everything we do is to get you on that date because that's the only reason or the only way we earn money. Yeah. So people pay €7.50 for a date. And within that €7.50, the first drink is included. And we do the whole organization planning uh, of the date. And it saves you a lot of time because you don't have to chat beforehand. Nice. So uh, instead of chatting online and, and kind of getting ghosted, you said, uh, <laughs> actually going into a real cafe, meet real people. So they don't chat beforehand, right? They just meet exactly. up in the cafe. So it's the first time you actually speak to somebody. Yeah, and we wow. heard from a lot of people that it's actually nice because you don't, like, you've, you've, you haven't talked about anything. So right. you have everything to talk about. Yeah. And that's a good icebreaker. Super interesting. So you have to trust the algorithm then. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we haven't even talked about the algorithm, okay. but the thing we do is only select a handful of profiles for you each day. Yeah. So that's also what we heard is a lot of people swipe for the entertainment. Yeah. Um, they will just be sitting at the couch with their friends and just like swipe endlessly. And we decided to, um, yeah, give the algorithm that power. So you only get a handful of profiles each day. And if you both like each other, there's no chat box. You immediately plan a date. Very nice. Very nice. So, and you're leading products in the team, right? So exactly. your co-founder leading the product. Um, you've used it yourself. So what is it like to use your own uh, <laughs> dating app? And did you go on a date? How did it work? Very interesting all the time. Because especially uh, in the beginning, I was also the designer of the app and yeah, made all the product choices. Yeah. So it was a very interesting experience to actually use it as a dater myself. Kay. Every time I go on a breeze date, I, I learn something new about, okay, maybe I should have had a notification here or I'm a bit insecure about this. Maybe we should have explained that better. Okay. So every time I go on a breeze date, there's a new update in the app <laughs> two weeks later with uh, <laughs> improved So notes. what do the other the people that you're dating with, they must kind of 
figure out that you're doing this or so <laughs> yeah, they get weird questions it's it's very awkward in the beginning because okay. it, it is on my profile i don't want to like keep that a secret yeah. so the first half an hour is just me pitching breeze all the time <laughs> yeah they, they always ask so many questions about it and they often also think that they were like chosen by yeah. me that i look into the uh, database like i spent my hours at breeze looking into the database and then selecting which profiles i want to be on the data on. Right. Well, Right. It's really not how it goes. <laughs> there we go. So uh, let's talk uh, uh, numbers a little bit. So I looked on your website. It says you have uh, made 70,592 uh, dates, uh, organized them, so roughly 70,000. Um, what's the funniest, specific, thi what's yeah. the funniest thing you've ever heard that came out of a date? Are there kind of already babies, marriages? What's the funniest thing? Yeah. Oh, funny thing. Um, yeah, many, especially in the beginning, we always called all the daters. So uh, the first 100 breeze dates, we, we got them afterwards. Yeah. And you get so many fun stories from those. So for example, one day we called this guy, he went on a date on like Wednesday and we called him on Friday and uh, asked him about the breeze experience. And he was like laughing a little bit. And I was like, oh, why are you laughing? And he said, yeah, she's still here. <laughs> <laughs> Two days later, nice. <laughs> first date. Okay. Yeah, so you hear stories like that. But yeah. of course, you also hear great success stories about people marrying, um, getting dogs, uh, right. buying houses. We had a few breeze babies already. Nice. And uh, yeah, wow. those are the real cool stories, of cool. course. Then you lose them as a customer, but uh, they probably you gain an ambassador, right? With that. Positive churn, we yes. call it. Positive yes. churn, that's a really <laughs> nice term. Um You've also raised capital. Uh, more, we can you can see this online. Uh, more than two point three million with prominent investors, uh, including one of the gentlemen who was involved with Lexa, Mesh.com, Steven van der Berg, um, uh, Thijs Verhul from United Wardrobe. Um, I'm just curious, how did the investors uh, respond to you pitching a company that had seven co-founders? Yeah, small remark. It was 1.3 million, the latest ah, uh, yeah, funding yeah. round. Yeah, but in total, when you look on deal room, yeah, it's that's 2. true. 3. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. uh, yeah. about 2 million. Yeah. yeah. Um, how they responded? Yeah, we got a lot of questions, of course, about our founding team. Yeah. And it's because of the origin story that we started as this group of friends wanting to have multiple different startup ideas. Yeah. Um, and once we explain it to them that we're not seven captains on a ship, that we all have our own responsibilities and that we don't make decisions with the seven of us each time, okay. then they understand and they see it. And it's one of our biggest assets. Um, but I do get that on paper, it doesn't look great. Mm, yeah, but you can make it work somehow, right? As a, as a team Yeah, we now, spend so. a lot of time uh, invested in like, yeah, feedback sessions and, and diving deep into how we can make this work, yeah. definitely. Okay, nice. Um, let's shift a little bit to diversity in tech. Uh, I think an important topic that I want to explore with you. Um, I read in an interview that you gave to, I didn't know, Tech Girl, um, where you <laughs> said women swipe different than men. So what does that mean? Can you explain? Yeah, if you look at it in numbers, yeah. which is the <laughs> easiest way to look at it, um, if we send a female user profiles, they tend to like one in 10. Yeah. And if we send... They like one in 10. You mean you serve 10 uh, profiles and then they... Yeah. They, so okay. we yeah. give them 10 profiles yeah. and one out of those they want to go on a date mm. with. Mm. Um, the number for men, male users, is one in four. Interesting. So in, in numbers you see it, but what lies behind it is, of course, that um, you need to persuade different things on a profile to... Um, get a woman to really want to go on a date with you. Okay. So, for example, um, show that uh, you're really you. So, uh, people, like a lot of guys, 
um, they're really bad at making their profiles. So they just uh, <laughs> upload uh, some selfies from a few years ago, and it's clearly not them yesterday. Um, and then and women look at that and see that, and then if they don't trust it, of course they're not going to swipe yes to you. Okay. So okay, yeah. So yeah, so guys out there, make sure you spend more time getting a nice profile up. Curate it uh, a little bit. Cur- okay. Yeah. Okay. And ask your maybe female friends what they think about it. Oh, that's a good tip. That's a very go good out to your yeah. friends, have your profile checked beforehand. Definitely. Um, but it, so, but it is then in this case a different interesting uh, interesting uh, difference between men uh, and women. Um, but I think if you dive a little bit deeper in kind of diversity, if you look at our society around us, right, there's obviously gender diversity, but there's also cultural diversity, there's cognitive diversity. Um, what do you think, what's your view on kind of how this diversity in society reflects in tech? Do we have the same diversity in, in tech and in mm. startups? What do you think? Good question. Yeah, and I think this is what it all boils down to in the end. Mm. Um, diverse teams make inclusive products. So I have to. So I have to okay. think. Okay, diverse teams create inclusive products. Okay. Yeah. If yeah. you look at the past, for example, um, Tinder was made by mostly men, and it resulted into this dating app or this dating industry culture where it's, for example, normal to swipe within split seconds only based on the first profile you yeah. see or the first photo you see of a profile. Um, they opened up the chat box and um, gave free way to everyone sending unsolicited pictures or messages to everyone. Yeah. And that's all because, um, I, in my opinion, it was made with one point of view in mind, serving their male customers. Right. And what's also interesting about Tinder is that most of their revenue comes from only 10% of the guy users because they are the, yeah, I don't want to say desperate, but <laughs> those are the, the people who pay on Tinder for the premium memberships. I see. And that's who they are optimizing the experience for. Right. Designed for men by men. Yeah, yeah, and the business model running on that. That's that's only in the dating industry, but if you look at this in other industries, of course, you see similar things happen. Where, um, yeah, if the if the founding team or if the the team that's building the product has a bias, then yeah. of course the product will have that bias as well. Mm. So, but uh, also in your team, it's uh, you and then six men. Uh, yeah. How do you cope with uh, six uh, co-founders around you? How do you... Uh yeah, this is an interesting... And then it's also getting a little bit personal because um, especially when we started, I wasn't super comfortable in the foundership. Ro- like I never wanted to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. It wasn't something that was in my blood or that I was the girl selling candy in uh, school or something. And they were like, they were very comfortable within uh, all these events and being a founder and they were very confident in it. And I was having major imposter syndrome, uh, didn't really know how to act and if I really liked this and if I even could do this. So especially in the beginning, I did what I always do in those situations is sort of like assimilate, right? So copy Mm. the guys, um, go with their way of uh, doing research, go with their way of making product choices. Yeah. But then in the dating industry, there's this huge bottleneck at the female side. As yeah. I just explained, like women are harder to um, acquire, harder to retain. They like le- or they're more selective in their, their choices. Yeah. So we had this product that was working fairly well, but we had a female growth problem. And then the team that was building this dating app, which was supposed to serve like 50-50, it was like six dudes and me trying yeah. to act like a dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it wasn't really working. Okay. And then... Once I realized that and really had a good conversation with them where I realized that, um, yeah, the, 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 maybe the good feeling or the intuition that I have that I shoved away at first was very important for us 
in actually improving our product and serve female users better. That's super interesting. So following yeah. your gut feeling kind of as the person that you are, then helping you to shape uh, a product uh, works better if you have diversity in the team, one woman with those seven men, than just all men trying to design something or a woman trying to be a man. But maybe go back to that part where you said they were more entrepreneurial. Were they more entrepreneurial or were they behaving or acting more entrepreneurial? Um, maybe a little bit of both. Okay. So I think in general, they were already more um, swayed by the idea of becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and I think they were more comfortable in it because like in a lot of like events that we went to or a lot of people we talked to, they were more like them. Okay. Um, so they were more... Yeah, comfortable in it. Yeah, okay. So there's more, there's, there's lookalikes. Um, we also need role models, right? You just mentioned uh, <laughs> the Formula E lady, but do you have any? Did you have any female uh, tech founder role models that you looked up to? Um, not in the beginning, okay. and that was maybe also one of the issues in the beginning. But what once I dove deeper into it, there are so many organizations um, that that help young female founders. Yeah. So I once got this. Um, I got this mentor from Libre, which is an organization that helps um, yeah, female students in te- uh, STEM. Yeah. And they uh, matched me with this mentor, uh, Lieke Pijpers. Yeah. She had the same uh, study background as me and she co-founded The Next Closet. Um, and she was also in product. And yeah, we just clicked on a lot of levels and I nice. learned a lot from her in the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's great. Having somebody kind of to lead the way that has done something similar before. Yeah, a mentor. Yeah. Uh, really nice. Okay, so big tip. I think anybody out there, get a mentor. Whatever phase you are in uh, entrepreneurship, get a mentor. And Definitely. particularly like this one. Um, so maybe one more thing on that uh, male-female. Uh, just a little note. Um, we support 150 scale-ups with UP. And out of 150... I counted the number of female CEOs, mm. uh, and it's shocking. We have more CEOs named Sander or Jeroen than female CEOs. Um, wh- what do you think? Why is that? Why? Th- so we have a uh, diversity gender top uh, issue, but also why do women less often go into the CEO role? Do you have an idea there? Yeah. It's difficult because indeed, it's uh, the first step is already getting women into tech and into founding teams and then within the founding teams also get them to grab that ceo role never really thought about that Mm, because you think the the um, distribution within like ceo is even more shocking than female founders yeah so female co-founders we find there's actually more and more companies actually coming up and anyway it's just a little test i did yeah i wanted to pick your brain on it but uh, yeah let me think about this later let's think about this later cool um so you're not only a a female co-founder you also have an asian background uh kind of can you maybe share a light on in the tech industry what are some of the challenges you might have encountered uh and how did you deal with them Mm, well to be honest i feel like um, so you can of course see diversity on different levels yeah. and I feel like right now as a female founder it's actually pretty great to be in tech because there are a lot of like funds but also programs right. especially focused on you um, I don't know if I really experienced anything with my cultural background I think um, I never really um, associated myself with my well that part of my minority being okay. <laughs> Um, so no, okay. never really 
experienced okay. anything on that well, sense. Well, it could uh, bring something beautiful to the table, right? Because if you talk about diversity, uh, everything that makes you you is unique and you bring Definitely. it to the table. Okay, so but there were no challenges there. That's really nice, actually. Well, yeah, th- maybe one thing that I can say about this is that um, I always grew up in a very non-diverse... Like, I've always grown up in non-diverse... Uh, environments oh okay so i grew up in bladicum and then i went studying and then in my study association like student association like everything was very not diverse and so i very much learned to assimilate all the time and i think the parallel you can yeah make here is that the way i always try to fit in with the bigger group growing up is also similar to how i behaved as a female founder in my male co-founding team Uh Um, and that's that's really some soul searching I did during that time as a beginning founder where I realized myself that shit, what I did my entire life, that's also what I'm doing now and I need to stop this. And that's yeah. when we made the, the change. If you could go back to the beginning, would you do something different? So the beginning of Breeze uh, and your role there? Um, not necessarily different because I'm okay with how everything is turning mm-hmm. out right now. Um, but it would make it a lot. E- I could make it a lot easier for myself to, um, yeah, be more comfortable in that role and and claim that space a bit more. Okay, yeah. right. So well, that's great. Great tips for yourself in a couple <laughs> of years back. Um, so we talk about diversity, and and then obviously you have a, a dating app. Uh, so how do you make sure that also Breeze uh, prioritizes diversity and inclusivity in your base and in your feature? How do you how do you organize that? Yeah. Um, there's a lot we still can do, of course. So we're definitely not where I want us to be. Um, But we're doing a lot. So yeah, this is quite a technical story. But um, in our algorithm, for example, um, there's a smart algorithm. And uh, truth is, within our user pool, um, we don't have a lot of diversity yet. And the algorithm is never pushing diversity. That's the problem with algorithms in general, is that, um, yeah, there's this bias in there. Yeah. And of course, people have certain preferences in terms of what profiles they like and they don't like. And what we see now is that, in general, diverse profiles are being less pushed less. And that's, of course, a problem. But yeah. in order to counter that, you need to either um, yeah, save, the, for example, ethnic backgrounds of people, or you need to read that out of pictures, or you need to yeah. ask it to them, which is, of course, very sensitive. And so what we did is um, we asked the Collegio for the Rechte van de Mens. It's a human rights, it's kind of a human yeah. rights organization, right? Yeah. We requested a hearing there to um, yeah, propose this case and what they thought we, w- w- we would have to do in this yeah. case. And this re- hearing was like two weeks ago. Oh. We're still waiting on their recommendation. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think you can do a lot in order to... yeah be better in in this sense yeah but uh on the other hand for example uh not too long ago i i received a phone call from one of our daters so people can just call us on the help desk line and she was in a wheelchair and she had a date planned in amsterdam at a partner's cafe of ours where yeah it wasn't wheelchair accessible okay and then of course we do everything we can to change that reservation to a wheelchair accessible location but it's not something that we have in the app yet yes sometimes we get a golf ro- call from someone, um, uh, a guy who's blind, and he calls us to help him pick the date because he can't do it in the app. Okay. And there's things that we could have done in the product to make it accessible for them, right. which we haven't done yet because, of course, it's always a balance between 
yeah kind of how many people uh, need this uh, yeah. function so that's when the we're still in the startup person phase. comes in right yeah yeah, yeah. how many f- but um, then you have a nice help desk that can of course have a one-on-one contact moment yeah them. but these are the examples yeah. that we're not yeah. doing okay. enough okay yet. well there's room yeah. for improvements as you grow and as you scale the company so um hey if you're completely ready already then there would be no of fun more anymore yeah. right you're scaling the company yeah. can i have one more give sure. one more example um because one example of where we do, for example, uh, take into account the experience of women in the app is that, um, so we get a lot of messages from guys wanting to pay for the female, for the for the date of the female. So oh, they say okay. like, oh, I, I really want to go on a date with her. Can't I just pay for her? And maybe that will make her more in, like more inclined to go on this date with me. Interesting. And so my guy co-founders, they were like, yeah, why don't we build this feature? <laughs> they see and this then, extra revenue also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they thought like, okay, yeah. well, if he wants to pay 15 euros, then okay. be my guest. Yeah. But that's where then it's good that I come in is because I know how women work and I've talked to a lot of women about their dating experience and I know that if the guy pays for the date, then you have the feeling that you owe him something. Right. So it's really not a nice feeling for a woman to go on a date knowing that the guy paid. Mm. So that's why we didn't build that feature. And there's many examples of where one group in the app thinks this is great. Well, sometimes if you look at the whole picture, yeah. then that's not really a great experience for everyone. Fascinating yeah. example. And I think it's... Um, yeah, it, it tells the story exactly why you need to have diversity in building companies and building products. Exactly. Um, and I think my wife is now going to pay her own dinner <laughs> uh, next time we go out. So if she's listening, then now she knows. Um, cool. So you, so we're here uh, as part of the Philips Innovation Award, uh, Innovate's podcast. So you joined the Philips Innovation Award, which is the largest student entrepreneurship award of the Netherlands in 2020 as a semifinalist. And you're in good company um, because I looked at the list of participants and also the winners. Uh, there's quite a few names that I've met before. Graciela from Glossier, Sinjia from Beyond, Michael Musando from La La Land, Bob Hendricks, Lou Biotech, Aukeblai, Respire. It's a great list of people. You're part of that. Um, can you explain a little bit um, how has FIA helped you uh, and your company? Uh, and what would you say to other people that are joining the competition? Yeah, especially as a starting entrepreneur or as an aspiring founder in those beginning phases, um, it was hugely helpful as a student entrepreneur to be taken seriously for once, um, to get access to certain knowledge or experience that you otherwise wouldn't have had knowledge uh, access to. Mm. And also it's a great way to, yeah, gain experience in pitching because that's that's a skill that you really need to start learning as a starting entrepreneur. And FIA was one of those events where you could really start and pitch for a huge crowd. Yeah, get on the stage, tell your story, get yeah, it better every get time. Some spotlight yeah, time. Get some spotlight yeah. time. So what would you advise somebody that is now thinking of entering the next competition? Yeah, there's really not a reason to not do it, right? Oh. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, yeah, but how do you kind of... So you've seen it, right? Maybe you would have done di- things differently next time. Is there something kind of like, oh, if they would have told me that, I would have done it. Yeah, in hindsight, but that's not the best advice. But in hindsight, I think we should have waited one more year. We were still quite early when we um, participated. And looking at the competition at the time, they were already like quite far ahead. Ah, Okay. So, yeah. um, Yeah. but I wouldn't recommend people to wait a year. No, just go for it. Just go go again. Just sign up again. I'm not sure if this (laughs) allows. We'll check that with the team. Okay, but great advice uh, anyway. Um, Before we go to your closing questions, where do you hope Breeze to be in the next five years? So dream forward five years from now, where are you going to be? Yeah, we have huge ambitions, of course. 
Um, this year we're going to do our first pilots abroad and yeah. I hope in the next five years we're going to be a household name in the yeah the dating industry worldwide. There we go. So watch out. Uh, five years you're going to be there. Next country you're going to? Sorry. Uh, first country is Belgium, yeah. but after that more in Europe. Okay, yeah. nice. But awesome. I also, even if we're not the ones to make it work, I really hope that we can inspire other tech um, companies with like a more honest business model that's not yeah. based on attention yeah. and uh, getting yeah. addicted. Yeah, very nice. That's a great vision to go into the world. Um, normally, we don't give advice. Uh, founders don't give advice; they just ask for experience. But in your case, I'm going to ask you for advice anyway. Uh, the first advice I'm going to ask you is for female entrepreneurs. Um, what advice do you have for other aspiring female entrepreneurs uh, who want to make their mark in the tech industry? Yeah, see it as your strength. Um, but also, and I already said this earlier today, uh, really connect with other female founders. Find a mentor. Uh, find other female founders that you can experience uh, yeah, uh, troubles with because yeah. that's really, really helpful. Very nice. Find people around you uh, that can support you and help you. Definitely. That's, I think that's great advice. By the way, that's also for male founders. It's good advice. Also. Find, find mentors around you. Um, and the second advice I'm going to ask you is, let's assume I have a startup now. And I'm worried about my diversity. What is the advice you would give uh, a founder of any startup at this point about increasing diversity? Yeah, I think it's important to already put it in agenda very early stage. So it's easy to say, okay, we're just beginning. Um, this is something that we care about later. Yeah. And because it's getting more and more difficult to ingrain it in your culture later on. Um, and if even if you can't find diversity in your own team yet... Um, try to build your product for a more like try to build a more inclusive products by um, doing focus groups, um, interviewing other people than just your friends and family. Really go out of your own bubble to uh, yeah to find insights. Perfect. Get out of your bubble. Uh, listen to customers, people, users, but ideally bring on a more diverse founding team and colleagues. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Um, Marsha, we're getting to the end. Thank you so much for sharing your story here today. I think it's inspiring, insightful, uh, both your story on building the company, but also how diversity really helps you build a better company. Um, I'm going to follow you. We'll probably uh, <laughs> meet again soon, not on a date, but uh, I'm going to follow your company and check you in uh, at least within the next five years. Uh, and I hope my daughter will listen to this episode too uh, and take inspiration from it. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you soon. It's great to hear. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Claim your free ticket for the FIA Finals through the link in the description.